0: Hi
1: everyone, got some exciting news here. This is Raul Pal, the host of your
0: podcast. I'm
1: actually building a brand new podcast for you all, which I think is really going to be something very special. It's called Raoul Pal, The Journeyman. And it really is my journey at the nexus of kind of macro investing and finance, technology, crypto, and who knows, maybe i will do some wellness and other interesting stuff too. But it's my journey for me, and I want to bring you all along with me. So we're actually going to deactivate this podcast channel and I urge you to come across to try out Raul Pal, The Journeyman. You click on the link below and make sure when you do,
0: you subscribe so you don't miss out any of these incredible conversations. See you there. Welcome everyone. I'm super excited to have back on the show Raul Pal. He is founder of realvision.com and the writer of the Global Macro Investor Report, a very, very popular publication. And of course, Raul Pal has been- really making a name for himself in the investing space, the macro investing space. And of course, he came very popular in the crypto investing space. So we're very excited to have him on today to talk about crypto. And maybe we'll get some time to dive into some other really juicy topics like the exponential age and some of the investments that we made in that space. Raul, welcome back. It's great to see you, Lark. It's been a while. Been too long. <laughs> been too long indeed. Now, we are recording this at a very exciting time because we just got some very interesting news out of... Uh, the USA that XRP has been deemed not a security. So, just what's your hot take on this situation? I mean, we thought the good news coming was going to be the ETF. We knew this was in the background. I
1: always had a decent probability that this was going to happen, but it, it dropped like a bomb today, and XRP is up 75% in a day. But what it does is say it shows that the regulators are overreaching. Now, we don't have that around elsewhere in the world because most of the regulators elsewhere have been reasonably decent about crypto. But the U.S. was the one that weren't. Gensler was really attacking the space. So what that's done is unleashed so many of the larger alt tokens that launched in similar ways to XRP that should not be deemed as security. And that's going to make the the space more investable. At the margin, it allows others to enter into the space. We saw XRP get relisted by Coinbase immediately. Okay, that's a big statement. It means that institutions will be more comfortable around it. That allows more people into the space. So people who might have been nervous of Solana or some of the others may look at this now and say, look, the probability of those being called a security is now becoming
0: much smaller by the day. And therefore, the risk profile of owning these things is much lower. It's very fascinating to see how quickly things move in in the cryptocurrency space. One ruling can just completely change the sentiment in the space. And of course, a lot of this recent bullish sentiment has been kicked off by BlackRock and what they did by filing for a Bitcoin ETF. And this is going to add a lot of fuel to that fire. So uh, what's your thoughts around the Bitcoin ETF situation? Does this XRP really make it more likely we're going to get those Bitcoin ETFs? And maybe was it just inevitable once BlackRock entered the game, they were always going to get a Bitcoin ETF?
1: So uh, my personal opinion, and look, I know nothing, is that Gary Gensler was under a lot of fire politically because of saying no, 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 no to everything. And he had said that Bitcoin was not a security. So therefore it becomes really difficult not to allow or to appease the politicians, by saying, look, I have passed the bloody Bitcoin ETF. At least I've done something. You know, I'm I'm comfortable with Bitcoin. So my guess is he gave the nod to BlackRock and said, listen, I need to do something. We're going to do this. And they've obviously been having open conversation with the SEC. The SEC had given the guidance as we will accept this if you do this. So they all did it. What was really amazing within that, bit of humble pie that the SEC is suing Coinbase (laughs) while while at the same time are going to approve them um, as as a major part of the mechanism of the ETF. And it kind of shows the incongruity of this ridiculous situation they found themselves in. Then you add the XRP ruling and it makes it really hard for them to stop some of this stuff. So, you know, I think Gensler probably comes under more political pressure because of what's just happened as well. It kind of fuels the politicians, the pro crypto politicians were like, this is not sustainable. And Gensler's opinion appears to be wrong. So the overreach argument. So overall, these are really good things for the space. Now, the Bitcoin ETF, I've always said the ETF doesn't matter unless the market has momentum. If it has momentum, it becomes a sucking sound of bringing in RAAs in the United States and individual investors and pension plans and others. And lo and behold, we're in the middle of crypto spring, where things are starting to really warm up. And that sound of FOMO you hear in the distance is thundering closer and closer. And that's going to bring these people in. So if we continue the way we've been going and prices are rising, and let's say Bitcoin's at 40,000 by the time the ETF comes in, there's going to be a blind panic. Because everybody kind of knows that it's very cyclical as an asset, and that when the cycle goes, it can have tremendous returns. So I think that's going to be in the back of many people's minds who are out of the market right now. And with the Bitcoin ETF, they're going to be more enticed by it. So, look, it is very positive. And that capital flow that comes into the space, let's say $10 billion comes in the ETF, whoever, whatever. That money then flows into the space. People take profit in their original Bitcoin and gets reinvested into ETH or Solana or whatever else. And then before you know it, it recycles into NFTs because All of these digital assets is a kind of global economy, a separate global economy made up of smaller economies like ETH and Bitcoin. And once you have new foreign direct investment into an economy, things boom. And that's what's going to happen.
0: It's very interesting. Last year, BlackRock launched their private Bitcoin fund. And I was saying at the time, like, you just wait, you just wait. BlackRock almost timed the bottom of the market with their Bitcoin fund. I said, BlackRock's got something coming and here they are. BlackRock did indeed have something coming. Now, how has this changed, if at all, your positioning on Bitcoin? Um, if I remember correctly, you didn't have much Bitcoin still in your portfolio. Um, is that still holding true? And has this recent Bitcoin ETF news changed any of that for you?
1: No, I mean, I'm, I'm not much of a trader, so I'm, I, like a, I take a long-term strategic position. My view for a long time is, is while I like Bitcoin, I'm more predisposed towards the broader ecosystem itself, because I think the whole of Web3 and crypto is a is a much larger thing than just a store of value money component, which is an important part of that in itself. And so therefore, I've tended to have Ether as my larger bet. And I've had that for a long time because my thesis is these things are all valued on Metcalf's law, which is network effects. And that's the number of people who use it and then the number of applications really that go on. Now, ETH's equation within that is there's actually more users. The amount of activity is higher because of all the applications, but the sizes of the transactions are smaller. But because so much is being built on top, the network effects grow over time, so over time I expect it to outperform. But in each bull market, there's another something that does really well, and my eye is on Solana because it's got a large ecosystem, a lot of developer activity, a lot of applications layer tools. Now. Does that work or not? I don't really know, but I think it's a a reasonable probability bet that it's like kind of ETH was in 2018-19, came from the dust down 97% and survived. You know, the Lindy effect of surviving a massive bear market, you know, with, with all the FTX stuff is a good thing. Could it be another ecosystem that takes fire? Of course, and many will. So it's just a very interesting time. One of the things that I try and focus people's mind on as they get a bit lost in day-to-day price action is 65 billion dollars of venture capital money went into this space in 2020 and 2021. The products that were built are going to be coming out in this bull market. Mm -hmm. So if you remember the last bull market, it was like DeFi, NFTs, social tokens. What's it going to be this time around? We don't know. But there's going to be a lot of stuff because a lot of money went into some really smart teams who were building all sorts of applications and ecosystems.
0: It's actually been impressive to see some of the things the new ideas the new iterations of ideas you know people are already talking about uh liquid staking DeFi summer is coming up right And we're seeing a lot of uh eth you know going into backstable coins and going into different protocols and being used in DeFi, and that of course creates new leverage in the system that will need to be unwound at some point <laughs> but that's for later to talk about i suppose Um, But it's interesting to be to look at some of these older players like Solana, right? So you're bullish on Solana. And it's, it's interesting because we will see these new players come and we're seeing a lot of new blockchains come out, whether it's Aptos or Sui or whatever else the flavor of the week is. But it's hard to get traction in this space. It's hard to actually build user base and all this infrastructure and the dApps and stuff like that. And it's a lot easier for someone, whether it be Solana or Avalanche or Polygon, who already has that to be well-positioned for the next market cycle. So it's pretty interesting. Are there any others aside from Solana that you've been keeping an eye on? I keep an eye on a lot. I, mean, I still own some XRP, for example. I've still, I still own stuff, you know, Matic,
1: interesting. You know, there's the Arbitrum and the, and the Layer 2s, you know, how's that going to play out? That's an interesting space. I've got a stronger thesis on Solana, less strong on others. I'm very interested in Sui and what they can do because, you know, the technology is, you know, is very empowering and Aptos, you know, that's a very interesting application, a different type of chain. So let's see again. But as you said, it's all well and good to have the best technology in the world. You need to both have a community that is active and growing and you need to have applications being built. You know, so like ICP didn't really go anywhere, Because some reason they didn't get one of those, either of those two things combined together. Hey everyone, we're gonna take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling. Wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com/slash tech. All lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Yeah, it's it's a real balancing act for cryptocurrency projects, and you've seen so many of these that have had, oh great technology, but nobody cares. Or People care, but there's nothing there, right? And it's really finding the, the combination Yeah, because there are a lot of projects with nothing, and
1: Doge being the greatest example. And yet there's a massive follower base. Yep. And then there's a bunch of others that are amazing technology that does everything and no community whatsoever. And so it's a very different
0: world than most other things. It really, really is. It's, it's quite fascinating to see how it how it can work in uh, crypto sometimes. And now, look, we've already mentioned a few different coins. Obviously, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, on down the way here. You're somebody who's kind of full time in the investing space. So, in total, in your portfolio, this is an interesting question. Total in your portfolio, how many cryptocurrencies do you actually own, and how many cryptocurrencies would you actually suggest for your average retail investor to be holding?
1: So I've tried various permutations and combinations of this. And I've had broad baskets of stuff. But what happens with the broad basket for me is I don't focus on any of it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So some stuff pumps and I don't take profits and other stuff, it's not big enough. So it just falls and you don't notice it. So I actually find I operate better with concentrated bets. So really, yes, I've still got a small basket of stuff that I own. maybe five or six, really, it's all in two. It's all Mm -hmm. in ETH and Solana. And then I have a bunch of NFTs on top. And I think that's a relatively safe bet of ETH with a slightly riskier bet of Solana, but not too risky. And I actually, you know, I thought long and hard about this in the last bull market, and I thought, it is too complicated a world now, and you have to be too technical, and you need to be on top of too many things. This is Mm -hmm. not a Bitcoin, ETH-only world. So I actually started an asset management firm called Exponential Age Asset Management, uh, which is a fund of hedge funds that invests in digital asset hedge funds because those guys, it's their job to find the small token that goes up 500 mm-hmm. right? I I can't do that. I just don't have the time or the experience, but it's their job. So the idea is to create a vehicle, a fund-of-fund vehicle, to allow investors, high net worth investors, family offices, institutions to have a broad, diversified portfolio of hedge funds that can manage that side of the equation. Because I just realized I'm just not smart enough. As you know, it's so time consuming. You can go down any rabbit hole in this space Mm -hmm. and it'll consume 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I just, I've become more focused, more concentrated, use hedge funds for the other side of it. If you're happy to manage a broad, equally weighted basket, you can do that too. I tried it, I just couldn't do it. I just didn't focus on any of it.
0: And so I just didn't do a good job with it. I really feel what you're saying on concentrated bets. And I've had times my portfolio has been so out of control with so many damn tokens. And you're right. You make all those mistakes. You don't take profits. Things fall off to the side. And you just don't even know what the hell is going on. And actually having more concentrated bets can really make a lot more sense for the average investor. Because look, if this, if we get. The market cap up to i don't know six seven eight nine ten trillion in the next bull run it's not really going to matter so much which particular coins you're invested and in. they're all going to pump
1: you have to realize that's a psychology game because you're always worried that some other guy that lark's portfolio is better than rail's portfolio and i'm like mm-hmm. well, you know lark's going to make more money and <laughs> you know i'm an idiot what you need to do is stick with what you've got as you said you've got the tailwind of a secular bull market now the advice i do give some people some people. Like adrenaline, they like to trade. In that case, keep 80% locked away on your ledger device or wherever you keep it, and then keep yourself a small portfolio of 10% or 20%, where you can be a filthy DGEN and trade anything you want. Mm-hmm. You can hold as much Pepe as you want, you can blow up, you can do whatever. And that can appease that FOMO thing, because you can always tell yourself the lie that. You're gonna make this 10% worth more than the rest of the portfolio because you're mm-hmm. the best
0: trader in the world. Mm-hmm. You won't, you'll lose most of your money, <laughs> but at least you're not screwing it up. Yeah, that's 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 I think pretty solid advice. Keep the play money separate from the the long-term stuff. Now, uh, I want to talk about NFTs real quick because you've been big on NFTs for a while. And I feel like we are just we've recently got to this just crushing, crushing bottom oh, yeah. for the NFT bear market. I mean, and that I think was largely precipitated by. The Azuki drop and they basically resold the same NFTs. I'm not an expert on the Azuki situation by any mean but it definitely was a catalyst that really made people extra bearish on NFTs when NFTs were already down quite a bit. Now, I saw the other day, did you buy a few more NFTs? And uh, what's your thoughts on NFTs? And what do you think for the future of NFTs? So,
1: I have been slowly buying NFTs over time. I'm not a massive buyer. So, maybe 10% of my ETH is in NFTs, but I am quite focused on it now because. I think NFTs are like assets in the physical world. They tend to lag consumption. So what happens is you have a recession. People have less money. You're less likely to buy a Rolex watch to reward yourself Mm for being amazing or a new car, right? Or a painting or whatever it is that floats your boat in that status that humans want to prove to themselves, hey, I've done a great job. You might buy yourself a bit of status at first when things are going bad to make yourself feel better, but then you stop. Right. And what happens is asset prices collapse. So Rolex watches and Patek Philippe's have basically followed the exact same pattern as NFTs.
0: Mm, Interesting. Because both the
1: eth economy and the global economy both shrunk at the same time. Now, from my macro work, assets tend to lag, so house prices lag, the economic cycle, they're slower. So what will happen is NFTs are bottoming now versus crypto that bottomed in November. And it's the lagged effect of the economy, Mm -hmm. and as the ETH economy is now picking up, NFTs. Once Lark stocks making some money and feeling good about himself, he starts buying some new fancy clothes. And before you know it, Lark's buying NFTs because he wants to show his crypto punk off. Right, we're all the same. We're humans. (laughs) That's it. That's it. So I've been buying some stuff. Again, NFTs are really hard to know what to buy. So yes, Mm. you can buy. You know, to buy a punk is like buying Bitcoin. Maybe to buy an APE is like buy- buying ETH. It's got more execution risk. But what do you want to buy? That's, again, not something I I really know or can advise people on. So, of course, you just have to figure your way around that space.
0: Yes, definitely. For the NFT collectors out there, there are some great, quote unquote, bargains going around. But the question becomes, and I think we saw this in 2018, 2019 with all the layer one chains that came out in 2017, right? Who is going to make it? Because there were a lot of chains that were like the big deal in 2017 that are completely irrelevant now and have no users at all and completely failed. And so when it comes to NFT collections, I mean, we're talking even more speculative asset class with lower liquidity and more risk, but there will be some that rise out of the ashes of this bull market and go on to be the ones that are like, wow, you've got one of those. I can't believe it. That's crazy.
1: That's right. Um, we kind of don't know what they are. No. Um, you, the blue chip of blue chip projects, you've probably got a decent idea. But A, they're expensive. And B, they won't go up as much. But what is the next CryptoPunks or the next Bored Ape? Maybe it, ha- maybe it doesn't exist yet. But again, mm. to be really good in NFTs, and I've got some friends who are very good in that space, you have to be really in it. You have to know... The team, what's going on, be in the Discords, figure out why, you know, why it's appealing to people, stuff like that. Even the art market, you know, we've all bought crappy art that we've spent a thousand bucks on that's worth nothing, but you bought it because you like it in an art shop yeah. and on holiday somewhere. How often have you bought a piece of art for a thousand dollars and suddenly it's worth a hundred thousand? Never. So that's right. it's the same probability, right? It's actually very hard. It's just It's a more public market and faster moving. So you can see things when they change price a lot. But, you know, art is art and just treat it for art. PFPs, again, who the hell knows? It's all Mm meme-based. And, you know, like I owned a Wrecked guy, which is one of the NFT projects, because it was all about being wrecked. And it was very good for the 2021. Does that survive as a token of prestige that (laughs) you survive getting wrecked then? Maybe. Maybe it comes part of folklore.
0: Maybe the meme dies. Yeah, I have no idea. It's pretty interesting though, and it, it make let make this is a good segue into the next thing I want to ask you about, and that's the mid curve meme because I saw you post about this recently, <laughs> and I thought, man, it's just it's just so true. And you know, the mid curve meme for those of you who don't know, it's got the guy on the left who's kind of the dumb ape, and the guy on the right who's the you know savant genius, and everybody else in the middle just ar- arguing, no, this can't be the case, and. Maybe some things are just so much simpler. And I think with NFTs and a lot of times with crypto, we can really come on that. So you can talk a bit about your uh, your thesis behind the mid-curve meme. I have gone the full journey
1: from left to middle to right. <laughs> I'm not always right. I'm not always on the right side. I'm not always the Jedi master. Mm-hmm. What I've learned is never be the, the mid-twit. Be the guy on the left who simplifies it all down to, well, crypto's going up. The guy on the right would be, well, crypto's going up. Which is your thesis? Like I put out tweet today, it's like don't fuck this up. If the space is going to ten trillion dollars, just buy it. Right? The people in the middle are arguing about, well, it's decentralized. It's not decentralized. This there's regulation, and oh my god, inflation, and can't you see what's happening to the economy? But the two people on the far left and the far right have it simplified down. The difference is the person on the far right understands all of the arguments in the middle and everything else, and has distilled it down to that one essence. Aim to be that person, or if not, aim to be the person on the left, because it's really the money of crowds that moves things. So if the crowd believes it to be so, it is so, which is why I saw some brilliant people trade Doge so well, Mm -hmm. because they understood that the power lay on the people in the left. So they would put, maybe the meme would be, the people like Doge, or the people like dogs, the left is that I want to buy a dog token. The right is the people like dogs. So yeah. fact, you want to. So it's seeing that and not getting involved in all of the over intellectualization of the space, and that really applies in macro crypto everything. People want to sound smart, mm-hmm. and sometimes the way of sounding the smartest is to sound very dumb. Hey everyone. We're going to take another quick break and hear a word from our partners, and then we'll be right back.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, that's right. It's the old, uh, the old saying, do you want to be right or do you want to make money? Right. And it's, you can't always have both, unfortunately. And I've definitely experienced this where I've been in the mid curve on some stuff this year. And I've been like, Oh, that's, that's not going to work. Or that whatever reason, blah, blah, blah. And, and I should have just, no, I should have went with my gut and been, been a blind ape and I would have made a lot of money. Right. Cause I, I was right, but I didn't make the money. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you were right or wrong. It's, that's, you know, right. Who made the money at the end of the day. And I found, really, you know, I just, right.
1: it's It's very powerful. It stops you. If you can't explain to yourself really simply, then you've got the wrong thesis. Mm -hmm. If your thesis is, well, this has to happen and this will happen because this is going to go on and that's not a thesis. If you can write it down to one sentence, you got a chance. If you can get it down to two words,
0: you got a hell of a chance. I like it. I like it. That's very good. Now, I want to switch to a little bit here to talk about sort of the economic outlook, because this is very interesting. We've been hearing all year from, you know, the mainstream media that everything is terrible and we're going to have a terrible recession and all this stuff and yet the markets have been doing very much the opposite we have so many stocks hitting their 52-week highs um you know the nasdaq and the s p 500 are both raging we have things like nvidia that have hit a new all-time high price apple hit a three trillion dollar market cap uh we're seeing crypto picking up lagging behind of course uh equity markets and tech stocks and stuff like that but how are you feeling about the general economic outlook are we still going to get this doomsday scenario playing out and if so will it matter for markets
1: so look you were in crypto last year. I seem to remember it was apocalyptical. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. That was the recession being priced in. So, if it priced in the recession early, let's assume we're somewhere around recession point now, then crypto's job is forward looking to start discounting a recovery mm-hmm. and liquidity and central banks printing money or rates being cut. Equity markets done the same. What people are making the mistake is they're being very mid curve. They're saying, today, inflation is the X. Well, where is it in the future? Today, growth is Y. Where is it in the future? Today, the central banks are raising rates. Are they going to be doing that in the future? People argue about today as if that's what matters for markets. But really, what matters for markets is what it does in six months, 12 months, 18 months. And good macro people live far out into the future, where you know it's fuzzier, And then you try and get closer to now. So six months visibility of what the economy is doing. And my forward-looking indicators suggest the economy bottoms very soon by the forward-looking stuff. And that means that it'll feel sluggish and not great for a while. But Mm -hmm. the markets discount this fast. And we've seen this. My work, you know, the Nasdaq should be at all-time highs next three months. I mean, that's staggering because it had a big fall. Mm -hmm. And, you know yes some of these things that really got beaten up will have you know 300% years i love these times because everybody is a uh, is now macro mid curve and really you want to simplify it is things are going to get better right if that was the if that was the mid curve meme things are going to get better because yeah. they always do well in the middle is everybody arguing, throwing poo at each other about every single part of the equation. <laughs> but and the, the housing market, rate.
0: the commercial real estate market, the interest rates.
1: Well, the, the reality is things are going to get better.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Things have been pretty bad for a while now. And, yeah, last year, you know?
1: terrible. Yeah, but Everybody, even bonds, normally bonds do all right. Bonds blew up, equities blew up, crypto blew up, everything blew up. What more do these apocalyptical people doomsayers want? They had it last year. They kind of want it again. And that's actually a behavioral bias based around Mm. the narrative they want to see. They want to see the central banks punish the markets. They don't like to see markets rise because they want certain things to be true. So you have to filter a lot of these kind of things out. It's people's kind of emotional behavioral insecurities that spread out
0: all over the place. For me, one of the things that I had to reckon with earlier this year was to get myself out of the bear mode, right? Because the, the, the PTSD was definitely there from 2022. But I had the conversation with myself, I don't want to make the same mistake of being overly bearish when things are pretty damn bad in the same way that I made the mistake of being overly bullish when things were getting near the top. Right, So that has allowed me to keep just salty dollar cost averaging into some of the top assets and riding the waves throughout uh, 2023 and not missing that, trying to just, you know, connect more with my Jedi or my, my ape. I'm not sure, but <laughs> it doesn't there, matter, right?
1: I have made that mistake. We've all made that mistake, remained overly bearish because we've had PTSD. Mm-hmm. My worst year ever was 2009 because I even ignored all of my economic work, all of my work, because I knew that it was all going to come to an end in an even bigger way. Obviously I was wrong and I screwed it up badly. It stopped me even being able to buy equities for a long time because I just always had the fear that it was going to go wrong when the answer was just buy equities, right? You know, I was really mid curving the whole thing. And in 2020, I got it right. So I closed all of my equity short positions and stuff and went long, crypto and other stuff didn't buy much equity because i've still struggled but i Mm -hmm. knew i had to learn to do that because this is my own behavioral bias yeah and i managed to start averaging in technology stocks um over the summer and then really pulled the trigger on everything in november december january february march and got the whole lot i mean got the nasdaq and tesla and apple and semiconductors and the lot, because I finally got over my bias because my forward-looking indicators were giving me everything I needed to do. I just needed to drop that bias, that the PTSD Mm -hmm. bias, and say, my time horizon is longer. I know what I'm doing. Stick with your work. You've been doing this a long time.
0: Bye. And it worked. It's crazy how we're like our own worst enemies so often in this market. You know, we're we're the ones that screw
1: up. Investing is all about us being our own enemies. It's the narratives we spin ourselves are dangerous, which is why people just need to educate themselves a bit more on learning how to have an independence of view that can head check your narrative. Your narrative may be right too, Mm -hmm. right? not, Not saying that everybody's narratives are wrong. You can be really right, but you just need a way of head checking whether you're far away from what you can prove to be too. So there's a very strong narrative now, which is super interesting to me, which is inflation is coming back. This is only the start. Now, I have yet to see anybody put together a chart or any data to show that is the case. What they're anchored on is the 1970s. And what you find is there's actually a political bias that splits with the inflation view. So people who are more conservative in the United States tend to believe inflation is coming back. People who are more liberal don't believe that to be the case. Interesting. So there's a bias written in that whole thing. And it's about the worshipping of Volcker as the hero who broke it. And the markets must get down to P ratios of six to be worth investing in. Everything else is a bubble. So there's so many cognitive biases in this. This is the strongest one I've seen in a long time. And I asked because I do an enormous amount of work on this kind of stuff. And I can't find any evidence of a bounce, a rebound inflation. I don't discount it as zero probability, but assessing the probabilities looks pretty clear to me. And I asked them, well, sh- show me somewhere that you can show me with some forward-looking data where they don't have it, it's a bias, it's a narrative mm-hmm. bias. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and again, amazing. it doesn't mean I'm right, but I'm saying probabilistically, if I can
0: show you 10 pieces of evidence why it's highly unlikely and you can't show me one, yeah then it's, it's it's the mid-curvers, right? They're, they're stuck there. They're stuck. They're saying, no, it's got to go back up because of Ukraine and everything else going on. Da, 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 da. Maybe not. Before we finish our conversation, I really want to dig in a little bit with... Um, Exponential age investments. I I saw the other day you posted on Twitter. You're very bullish on Tesla still, for example. So I want to get your thought on some of the equity stuff and um, talking about some of those exponential age equity investments and what you're looking at and what sectors you think have the best potential in this space.
1: So the exponential age is a very simple theory. We are in the midst of the largest technological change of all humanity. Now, we've all been living through technologies coming. The mobile phone, the computer, the blah, 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 the internet, right? But what we've got is this nexus of technologies from crypto, AI, robotics, self-driving cars, EV, you know, different energy sources, distributed computing power, rockets, you know, space Mm -hmm. travel, internet of things, genetics, big data, all of these things are all going through a revolution at the same time. When I started writing about this in 2021, everyone thought I was a complete moron. And I'm like, well, we've seen the crypto parts, the fastest adoption of any technology in history. And we've got these other ones because we know they're happening. Mm -hmm. Then AI comes end of last year. And I managed to nail it because I've got a friend of mine interviewed, um, Emad Mostak, who built Stability AI, just as the madness started. And he explained it to me. I'm like, oh, my God. And then that was the fastest adoption of any technology the world had ever seen. Zero to 100 million people in seven in, in five weeks. Unreal. Unreal. And then the rise of the robots is coming. We're already seeing that in factories, but you know, Tesla got this Optimus robot and they're training it on the data sets. The self-driving cars is like a, a year away. I want 18, one.
0: I want one. They look so cool.
1: I know. And you know, this Ponlayer, we've got quantum computing to come. We're already seeing people starting to launch some quantum stuff. And Microsoft have as well. And it's like humanity is about to go through this gigantic change. And we're all going to feel like we can't catch up. Like we're all filling with AIs. Like I can't catch up. And crypto as well. And Mm -hmm. AI and crypto together. It's like I just can't get my head around everything. So my answer to that was invest in your own demise. (laughs) I love it. If you know that the robots are coming for your jobs and the AI is going to change everything and, and you don't know how to deal with it, but you know it's the biggest thing humanity's ever seen. I I would argue AI is maybe the greatest invention of all of mankind, maybe more powerful than the splitting of the atom. I'm not sure, but those two things, one is unlimited energy at zero cost, the other's unlimited intelligence at zero cost. I mean, these are beyond understanding. So let's make some money. So every single thing needs a semiconductor. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's pretty obvious. That's one thing. There's some great companies who are leading the charge. Tesla, Apple, Microsoft, Google. So they're pretty safe bets. They'll do pretty well. Then there's the discounted end of the technology spectrum, stuff like ARK, which is an ETF with a bunch of kind of longer duration, more speculative tech stocks. Her themes are the same themes. Will she get them all right? No. Is she the best stock picker in the world? No. But will she get it directionally right in the Lark thesis of well, it's going up to, to ten trillion market cap? Mm-hmm. Just get some exposure. So Arc's oh, an easy one to get that exposure, and it's still down a lot from where it was. Um, so and then you know within that basket is also everything from robotics ETFs to gaming ETFs, metaverse stuff. You know all of these bigger themes, crypto. So Coinbase is in that, and mm-hmm. a few others. Um, and that's what I did: is I took the idiot's basket of all of the things I could get exposure to that broadly represented this theme. And I, you know, if I look at the basket, my basket on Bloomberg, it's up sixty-seven percent this year. But crazy, crazy. And it's not like I was a genius stock picker. I, I just took a bunch of stuff that I thought broadly represented it. That's all I did. And my basket may no be nowhere near as good as somebody else's. I think where's the semis? The semis are up fifty-two percent. So that was. You could have just done that and made money. So the exponential age is we're going to go through this massive change for humanity. It's probably net amazing for GDP growth in the end. It's also going to destroy jobs, change society in ways we can't understand, change the entire system of money, the Internet of value. It's going to change what we understand as scarce resources like human intelligence, and it becomes a scalable resource. So just put money in it and it will be a bubble. It will end up being a massive bubble and there will be a bust and it will keep going up Mm because technology doesn't stop it's the biggest secular trend of all of our lifetimes and most of us have been mid-curve all the way through and argued that these stocks are overvalued and it was the stupidest thing and i've done it all the way through nasdaq never touching technology i don't understand it's overvalued it's nonsense it's like but then i look around me and my computers are better my phone Every mm-hmm. bit of technology. I drive a Tesla. It's got no knobs, dials, switches. It's just a screen. And you're like, really? How much do I use General Electric or ATT versus this yep. stuff? Right? Yep. It's a secular trend. Don't overthink it.
0: Don't mid curve it. Don't, don't mid curve it, guys. That is the lesson of today's broadcast. Holy cow. Don't mid curve it. Microchips are everywhere. Buy microchips, chip stocks. Nice. Tesla's doing amazing things. Buy Tesla? I just, you know, don't overthink (laughs) it, right? No, no, don't (laughs) overthink it. Oh, man. Raul, this has been a fascinating and very entertaining conversation. I really appreciate your time today. I'm sure everybody in the audience does as well. Again, realvision.com. Go and check it out. If you're not signed up already, go and check it out. Yeah, also, we just
1: did a, um, it's free. We just did a whole week of crypto programming. So I put my whole thesis out if people are interested on the Monday. We then interviewed Web3 people. Today we had three hedge fund managers just as the XRP news broke. Um, We've got some great stuff. So realvision.com forward slash gathering and knock yourself out. There's some amazing content from that this week that I know all of your audience will love. Fantastic, fantastic. Go and check it out, guys. Rel, thank you very much. Great to you And don't mid-curve it don't just let's we just go try and be the person on the left that's fine (laughs) we can do that
0: that's it if you can't connect to the jedi be the ape that's that's the lesson for today we'll see you guys next time thank you very much what's up revolutionaries thanks for tuning in for more content like this Head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.